Mini episode 1315 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1315. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And we have one of our favorite recurring FDH Lounge dignitaries coming back on. Good friend Joe Stazak from 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. And uh, somebody who has been uh, part of our FDH family for a long, long time coming on the show and breaking down any number of things from different sports. Today we're taking a look at the stretch run in the NFL as we head into an extremely wild last couple of weeks here in this unprecedented COVID season that we are dealing with in the NFL, one that has had disruptions, and yet, I have to say, probably less than most of us would have thought back in August, that uh, the league has been able to soldier through a number of unprecedented circumstances, leading to things such as Wednesday afternoon football, but uh, nevertheless, uh, probably still... It's less than I thought it was going to be in the way of disruptions. We'll get thoughts on that from Joe, from the overall picture in both conferences here. And from Joe's perch in Philadelphia, we would be remiss if we didn't take a look at the worst division in the history of professional football, the 2020 NFC East. So with that said, we turn to our good friend Joe Stazak. Also, I need to mention this as well, part of the great weekly podcast, Callous Remarks with fellow FDH Lounge dignitary Steve Callis, and uh, they have been uh, kind enough to have me on there. I remember going on there to crow during the 2016 World Series about how the Indians were about to put it away, <laughs> and uh, yeah. the curse of Rick Morris, <laughs> you know, so I, I guess I'm to blame for that, Joe. well, well. Yes, yes, it, uh, I remember that. I remember, because th- it was going to be, uh, Dennis Martinez was throwing out the first pitch, I think for game six, you guys had me on the night of game six. And I was like, this is going to be it. El Presidente's throwing out the first pitch. He is beloved in this town. We love the 90s Indians. This is going to get everybody in the right mood. And uh, everything pretty much went wrong from that point on. But uh, everything always goes right when we have you on the show, Joe Stazak. A pleasure as always, buddy. Hey, thanks. I haven't talked to you in a while, but I certainly have been thinking about it. Always appreciate it. Always a fun time coming to talk to you about some sports. It is. It definitely is. And uh, I have to say, uh, unfortunately, it's not a fun topic for any of us this year talking about coronavirus. But in this year, I guess I'll get your thoughts on that since I talked about it a little bit in the intro. As far as the amount of disruption that we've seen, gun to my head, I would have expected more back in August, particularly since... Again, to me, the spike in numbers that we've seen during the fall, and then particularly here as winter has begun, I mean, winter officially doesn't begin, I guess, until next week as we're taping this, but realistically, you get into November, especially in our part of the country, right? America's North Coast, Philadelphia, whatever. It's been winter for a while. And uh, so the, the spike in numbers has been what I think most of us would have expected it to be if we were paying attention, and yet... The league has been able to push through, certainly with less disruption than I would have thought. And I I don't necessarily say that in an admiring way, because I've been saying all along, Roger Goodell, I, I see as somebody having the mentality of, if somebody dies, the menta- it'll just be, okay, hose off the blood, let's keep going. So I don't say that in an admiring way. I say that in the way of, that, you know, to me, a lot of times with the NFL, money trumps a lot of things, including, sure you know, yeah. hu- human decency and everything else, but... Nevertheless, they've gotten further than I would have thought at this point, not having to create a Week 18 yet, for example. What say you, Joe? Is this more or less disruption than you would have thought heading into this thing? Oh, no, I agree with you. In fact, I predicted when this, before even the hockey and NBA um, restarted, uh, and I putting my money on baseball that one of the leagues would not finish 
and they would have to shut down. And I thought it was going to be baseball. You remember the Marlins and the Phillies, the yep. 17 Marlins, and they didn't support it. And then everything blew up in St. Louis. And they settled down, and you know, I give them credit. They got through the season. Now, the bubbles, the, the NBA and the NFL did a wonderful job, and that was fantastic. And then I could have expected, I thought the NFL, though, because guys go home. Guys go home after practice. They're not, they're not quarantined. They're all over the place. And bits and drips and drabs were there in the Tennessee game a long time ago. The got it. And I know people were up in arms about Denver not having a quarterback. And I, I can kind of empathize with it. But it's competitive balance, but that wouldn't be a fact. I don't know if they could have maybe altered that a little bit because that was ridiculous. Right. But, um, no, I think I, I'm going to give credit. Whatever they're doing, it's, it's obviously working for the most part. I can, with the explosions, perfect. You can't, they're not bubbled um, and they're outdoors to keep the fans to a minimum. Uh, and you know, it's a football game. You know, if they, don't, if they don't pull out and do a wide shot, you can't see the empty stands, you see the fake cardboard dummies. It looks like a normal football game. And I think they, you know, pumping in the crowd noise kind of takes you away for a little bit. I think it's funny sometimes the Eagles, and they know they're doing it at other places, have um, booze built in. <laughs> and they certainly use that a lot this year. I thought there's no way that they would let, let themselves do themselves, but they do, and they did often. I thought that was hilarious, <laughs> but uh, I, th- I thought they'd done a pretty wonderful job, and, and it looks like they're getting to the finish line as well. Three games left, probably not going to use week 18, 14 game expanded playoffs this year. What can I say? It looks like Super Bowl 55 in February, February 7th, I believe, in Tampa is on schedule, and I'm impressed. I, I got to say, I'm impressed because around Things have exploded, and I know they have around the country exponentially, which we thought, you and I both thought, and I thought this was going to happen. I thought it would be another year, and it did. Uh, but football's done a nice job. Gotta be, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the NFL. They've definitely made it further through this than you and I would have thought. And I will say, too, on baseball, just one note there, something that I thought was just absolutely disgraceful because the the pandemics on the teams, the, the spread with the Marlins and with the Cardinals – uh, evidently came from uh, not following the protocols. I thought it was oh, just... Oh, absolutely. Terrible. Just yeah. Terrible. And to let the Cardinals just sit there for, what was it, a week and a half instead of having to dip yep. into the 60-man roster, that's what it was there yep. for, Joe. And yes, would most of those games, if not all of them, have been guaranteed losses? Yeah, but you know what? That's what it was there for. And the fact that yep. St. Louis was not told at any point in time dress up nine guys and throw them out there. We don't care who they are. Uh, you know, that that made a joke of the whole thing to me. They shouldn't have been allowed to hold up the season the way that they did. I totally agree. I, I thought, I think, well, I don't know, some of Manfred's ideas, some of the things he says and he doesn't know if the balls are juiced. Hell, they own the company. They own Rawlings, for yeah. God's sakes. They own the baseball company. He has no idea. Just not that to me. I lost all credibility with him, but some of the things they've done, and I just thought, um, uh, but they did, they survived it, but like some of the, uh, like you mentioned, the 60-man roster, playing with no-name guys, and it just, it watered it down, and, you know, again, it's all about the almighty dollar, you know, we can make a buck, let's, let's do it, they almost didn't have a season, they you know, the game, a couple of salaries, and goes and uh, as, as far as what my thoughts would have been uh, if, if Cleveland had won the World Series first of all uh, that'll never happen as a Dolan owned enterprise so that'll just be the mother of all hypotheticals uh, just <laughs> god awful ownership there but that's... don't worry don't, don't worry yeah, I thought so too we had well, only one in life only what was one two in like uh, since 1980 uh, 1883 so alright maybe next 50 years we'll win another one around here <laughs> 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, it maybe in another couple decades the, t- the franchise will end up in somebody else's hands, and God willing, I'll be a toothless old man somewhere still alive to see it when it happens. But, you know, in, in the meantime, living under the, the thumb of the Dolans really uh, sucks. But, I mean, I, I guess as a point of segue, when you look at uh, the AFC, one of the big surprises this year, most of the teams that are up there, for the most part, are teams that we saw as being... You know, the teams that should be up there coming into the season. My Cleveland Browns, even coming off of a heartbreaker on Monday night in one of the big games of the year, sitting here at 9-4 and four right now. And, and again, and everybody, it, it, it's so funny, Joe, because most of my friends around out of town have been like, oh, this is that's such a shock, this is whatever. And But I'm kind of like, yeah, but this is what last year was supposed to be. <laughs> because if anybody, right, exactly. if, any, if anybody remembers the summer of 2019, there was a thought they that were, this... They were the, they were the chic pick to win the whole thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the way that it's going here, uh, having Kevin Stefanski, who probably Monday night, as a lot of people said, probably salted away coach of the year. And the funny thing is I always laugh about this. My 1A team that I root for uh, is the Dolphins. So between Brian Stefanski, or I'm sorry, yeah, Kevin Stefanski and Brian Flores, here I am mashing them up. Between those two guys, I'm going to be sitting pretty good for a long time to come with my franchises. But uh, this has been yeah. a thing where I know nationally the, the Browns in the Baker Mayfield era have been something of a uh, a curiosity, so to speak, here. And uh, again, probably most of the uh, success of this offense is coming from the fact that it hasn't been dependent on him. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, the two-headed uh, monolith here. But uh, Chubb in particular, for, for my money, the best running back in the league. But uh, you know, from a national perspective and as somebody who got to see him play your, your hometown Eagles uh, earlier in the year, thoughts on the Brownies and what they're doing right now? I love what they're doing, to be honest. I think they're a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, they have Junior, and he's almost, I don't want to say non-factor, but he's like, you know, not even like the main story. I mean, Baker right. Mayfield bouncing back in ad campaigns before he really did anything in the And I got to be honest, I think he's a fantastic actor. I love his commercials. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, I, I thought Peyton Manning was great. I think Baker Mayfield is great. Some people think he's a punk, but I like his moxie. I never thought, I wasn't sure about him. I didn't think he was, uh, I didn't think he was, uh, maybe appropriate for the number one overall pick. And the Browns have missed on some guys and have passed on a few guys, but, um, he proved to me that he could play. He was inaccurate last year. He had, yeah, this is 20 touchdowns, eight picks, to 17 sacks, a QB rating, uh, of 96.6, which is above the league average, 96. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry uh, and Odell Beckham Jr., like having those two guys. And then you have your Kareem Hunts, who was a great pickup. And I know a lot of teams stayed away from him because of what happened. But I thought that was a great pickup. I know the Eagles were a little bit interested. I would have loved to have landed uh, Kareem Hunts. Then they have Nick Chubb, who's even better. I mean, what a one-two punch that is. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they, they wore down the Eagles on the plane. In fact, the game ended up five points, a five-point spread, but... Um, Browns really had that game in control most of the way. They had to pick six early in the game, and it was one of Wentz's, you know, one of his many horrific performances this year. And, um, you know, I like what they're doing. Um, they have the Giants this weekend coming off a loss, and I'm not sure if Colt McCoy's going to start now or if, um, on the phone, he's got another injury. But, uh, you know, I, I gotta be honest, I love their running game. I love Stefanski, and, um, I, I like Baker Mayfield a lot more the more I watch him, especially this year, the way he's rebounded from having you know, a little bit of a rough year and he got a lot of criticism because he was doing a lot of, you know, Hollywood type stuff and, um, you know, he, he manages it and, uh, he manages the ball game. He's 2,700 yards and, uh, again, his rating is near 100. He keeps his interceptions down. He's only got eight. That's a nice ratio, 23 to eight. So, and I, again, Kevin's the best with Minnesota. I love what he's doing with the Browns. I thought that they made a good decision. Um, not um, going another year with one uh, plus decisions uh-huh. and uh, getting rid of him quickly and not, not you know, throwing good money after bad. You know, kind of that experiment didn't work and they saw it early and they identified it and made a change. And 
they're one of the surprise teams this year, I think, because people thought, well, you know, last year was their you know, they were jumped the gun a little bit, but i got to be honest, you know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what the Browns are doing. Uh, nine and four this year, and uh, looking at they'll be they'll be in the postseason when when it comes time. They'll be in the postseason. Seven teams now in the playoffs. That's a tough division too. The uh, AFC North. You have the Steelers, who to me were the most vulnerable eleven and zero team I've ever seen. Right. And they've come down back to earth a little bit. And then the Brownies and you know, the Ravens. Lamar Jackson came back to earth a little bit as well this year, but um, that's a hell of a division. And if Joe Burrow stayed healthy, I know the Bengals two and ten probably would have done much more. But um, coming along, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a division. And, you know, Browns are in second place right now, but if they play the Steelers tomorrow, I'd flip a coin. Yeah, oh, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hell of a foundation the way that it's going there. Uh, Miles Garrett, notwithstanding missing time, a contender for Defensive Player of the Year in a year where he had COVID, no less. But, uh, right, right. yeah, it's it's been incredible. The, the defense... Uh, doesn't have much in the way of depth. The injuries have exposed that. The back seven it has been atrocious a good part of the year, but uh, as, as, you know, although the, four, the front four has been dominating, especially of late. But, uh, yeah, a, a very interesting story. And when you talk about surprises in the conference, they're really one of the only ones I think to speak of, uh, unless in the South, unless you're one of the people. i got to tell you, I saw Houston's collapse coming. I thought this was the year it caught up to Bill O'Brien, so I don't find what happened there surprising. Tennessee and Indianapolis atop the division. Most people probably wouldn't be blinking too hard at that. Buffalo atop the AFC East, I think a lot of people expected that. Miami to be doing yep. pretty well. New England's right about where I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be about a 500 team, give or take. I thought the Jets were absolutely going to be sucking canal water, but uh, 0-13, even I didn't see that coming. And then, uh, you know, in, in the West, uh, Denver, the Chargers, maybe doing a little bit worse than I thought they would have been. But Vegas is right about where I thought on the on the verge of the playoffs potentially. Kansas City, my pick to repeat this year at twelve and one doesn't surprise me at all. So that's where I said that the Browns to me are really one of the only real surprises in the AFC. I think it's been a relatively chalk kind of a year. How have you seen the AFC shaking out? Yeah, pretty much that way. Uh, I didn't think the Jets would be this bad. Uh... I didn't know what to think of New England. Um, I like the fact they picked up Cam Newton in case Jared Stidham didn't work out, but they have nothing. They have, and, and, I mean, Brady hightailed it at the right time. You know, he got in a much better situation. He's got receivers down there, on his back, playing in warm weather. And New England, again, they're about, that's about right for what, the, the, you know, the, the talent they have. And even Bill Belichick, I mean, stuff to make a good meal without good ingredients. And um, six and seven this year. I love Miami. I thought, I mean, not, not a real surprise, but I think what Brian Flores did, the way they started out, remember they did like 96 points their first two games? Yep. That's not their first two losses, and they were like historically bad. Well, they won five, they went five and four down the stretch, but they played hard. Right. I liked the way they played. They gave an effort until the gun. They beat the Eagles late. Ryan Fitzpatrick did okay. I was all for taking two. In fact, I criticized oh, Washington yeah. uh-huh. because, um, they're staring at Ron Rivera comes in and he's staring at Dwayne Haskins and I'm like, you guys have a number two pick overall. Chase Young's going to be a very nice player, but I think you guys need to go with a quarterback. Again, they picked Haskins 15th overall the year before, so I guess teams think, well, well, we can't, you know, jump the gun or, you know, we we use so much draft capital to take him, now we got to go in a different direction. No, you made a mistake. I could see a lot of people could see it. He left like four games and surprisingly, Alex Smith comes back and kind of saves the season. I'll get to Washington in a little bit, but I, I, again, Tua was sitting there. Uh, he came in for Fitzpatrick. He played great the first couple of games, but good enough to win football games. And you know, the knock on him is you know, he might get injured a lot, and uh, he's small. But I love the kid. I love his arm. I love his moxie. I love what they did um, in bringing some of the Patriots in and uh, just kind of filling the roster out. Fine, so. Not much of a surprise to me there. I do like that team. Um, the Ravens, to me, a little bit of a surprise. I thought they'd be better. I thought we'd see another step forward for Lamar Jackson. But his record against you know good teams in big games, not very good. Uh, I know they um, they won a thriller uh, the other night against you guys right. uh, in a tremendous game. And they covered the spread with that ridiculous lateral <laughs> stuff. I thought that was hilarious. 
I don't bet anymore, but I have empathy for people on the losing side of those. Um, but uh, the Titans, I gotta be honest. Never good time in Miami. I never thought he'd be a great quarterback. I know Marcus Mariota wasn't served up. And to be honest, he's done enough to let Derrick Henry really control the game. I mean, uh, uh, they, they had a big win a couple weeks ago against the Colts, and he was, you know, one touchdown, no picks, about 235. Derrick Henry had like 178 yards. They just swing the ball. He's a beast. Um, they, they, they use their running game. He manages games very well. I like what Mike Brable's doing down there. So uh, Tennessee, to me, uh, I didn't think they'd be this good. I thought they'd be okay. You know, they seem to be one of those okay teams. You know, middle of the, middle of the pack, but I think they're better than I thought they'd be. And again, the Colts. You know, with Phil Rivers sitting up there, but Frank Reich's done a marvelous job. I know everyone thinks the Eagles should trade Carson Wentz to Indianapolis because that's where Wentz thrived when Reich was here. And I, I do agree with that, but you know, uh, the, 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 they are so strapped cap wise, and it will take such a financial hit. Rid of Carson Wentz. Um, I'm trying to calm everyone down and say, "Don't run yet. Relax. They're not going to get any value back for him. You know, we don't need to be helping Indianapolis out." And you know, Jalen Hurts has only played one game, so everyone just take a chill. And uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, you're right. The Texans collapsed. Was, Bill O'Brien was there about six years too long, in my opinion. Chiefs have won eight straight. That loss to the Raiders prevented them from being undefeated right now. Although a lot of the games have been close, they've been a lot closer than. Uh, I mean, uh, but the mark of a good team is I, I think um, Mahomes had two or three picks the other day against Miami, and they were up by 20 in the first quarter. I mean, right. You know, that team can run the ball. Uh, East Spagnuolo's defense has gotten a lot better, even though they are Super Bowl champions. And then, you know, what can you say about Patrick Mahomes? Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy to this happened, and he'd probably be the MVP right now. Uh, or he's certainly in the air. So, um, you're right. Uh, not many surprises. I didn't think the Steelers of all teams would jump back to 11 or no, but right. again, I thought they were very vulnerable and they kind of came back to earth. They're good. Don't get me wrong. They're good, but they weren't 11 and no good. I know you are what your record says you are, but, uh, I thought they were a little bit of a paper champion, uh, if you will. And a little bit, but they're still good teams. There's a lot of good teams in the AFC. Uh, in the NFC, you can only, you know, maybe pick out a handful. In the NFC East, it's just dreadful, as you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say, I would say you're correct. Bill, Bill's a very strong team. Uh, I like the Browns. In fact, I think they're going to come out, uh, of the North, although Pittsburgh can clinch the, uh, North with a win at Cincinnati and a Cleveland loss or, uh, both teams tie. But, um, you know, coming off a tough game, but, uh, I like your moxie. I like your talent. Now, talent usually trumps all in this league. You know, if you have a decent coach, knows the zone. We'll get to it in a little bit, but I think that's the biggest reason the Eagles are terrible because they don't have any talent. They need to clean house and whatnot. But um, it's going to be interesting. Again, I'm with you. I like the Chiefs. You know, uh, I actually come around to Andy a little bit, and so on. Uh, look at the players. There. Look at Tyreek Hill. Look at the Jordan and Chavis. I mean, uh, I mean, they're explosive. They're just explosive. They're sound in the running game. You know, they got Patrick Mahomes, which you know, going up 17 spots was a big gamble and worked. And showed you what a franchise quarterback can do when you put him in good spots. And Andy Reid's very good with the quarterback. So, you know, I like the Bills and I like the um, Chiefs in the East. Yeah, I mean, those are two very good teams to be looking at right about now. And uh, I think, you know, they would probably be the chalk teams as you're looking at it as far as making it to the AFC Championship game. A rematch, I think that would be, what, from the 93 season uh, in the AFC Championship game. So a chance for the Chiefs to get... You are correct. Uh, Very good. That's exactly right. Thank you. You're right. It's a goofy gimmick of mine on the show, Joe, where I like to say it's a chance for the Chiefs to get revenge. They've had that circled on the calendar here. It's a time. It's a chance for that organization to get revenge in that game. And uh, I was actually in not at the game, but I was in Buffalo for that game, and I remember it because I was in Buffalo and they were good. That's when the Bills were going to four straight Super Bowls. Right. Right. They smoked the Chiefs that year, but um, yeah, I think the Chiefs went up. Or the Browns. Yeah, I like the Browns as well. So to me, it's going to be the Browns, the Bills, and the Chiefs. You know, probably the Chiefs coming out. But who knows? You never know. I mean, times. I mean, the Raiders dropped four to them in the Even though home and away doesn't matter as much this year. But um, right. they um, they can look vulnerable. The thing is, you know, they score at will. I mean, an average of 30, almost 30 points a game. It's ridiculous. Like, you have to outscore them and to put up, like, you know, a season-high numbers against the Chiefs 
Look what they did last year in three playoff games. They were down 10 in each game. Twenty-four to the Texans, and they, you know, they were like leading by halftime. You know, that team just so, is so amazing to watch offensively. When you watch what I've been watching and we've been watching around here for 13, 14 weeks, and then you turn on the Chiefs game, it's like, oh, my God, why did we let go of Andy Reid? But with the quarterback and some of the players he's got, and he's got a lot more talent. It's just, it's just night and day, night and day. Yeah, and I think Andy Reid has embraced some more modern concepts as well. I uh, agree. I totally agree because he did a lot of dumb things here. And um, I never was a big fan, but I've come around to Andy since. You know, he had some marks on his record, too. Blowing yeah. a 24-point lead in the playoffs to uh, the Colts years ago. Blowing an 18-point lead to the Titans a few years ago in the playoffs. And um, but he turned it around, turned a ten point deficit into a championship. Once you win that championship, you're viewed completely different. So there's only about forty guys walking yep. the earth or somewhere in the ground, but um, who have won Super Bowls as and now he's one of them and he solidified, in my opinion, he's gave me to into ten when he retires. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you you look at it and uh, again the fact that he is letting uh, Mahomes be uh, the, the quarterback that he was in college, and that uh, this has been a recent trend in the league the last couple of years of going to more of these collegiate type offenses. What Andy Reid has mm-hmm. done and grown in that regard, he, he absolutely is a superlative coach. And again, I look at what they did in the playoffs last year; like they were still learning to win. That you know they they fell behind in those games. Like, the whole notion this year, I said coming in because I picked them when Baltimore was kind of the trendy pick because the thought was it had to be one of those two teams, right? You couldn't really make right, a case sure. for anybody else. And Baltimore still had the questions in my mind. And I said, look, I know it's boring to pick the defending champions, but who's to say what we saw of them last year is them at their best? And they've been better this yeah. year than they were last year. So it's kind of proved my point on that. I will just say, too, as far as it goes with Frank Reich, uh, interesting, you speculating about Carson Wentz being a recl- reclamation project for him. A lot of people have been thinking potentially Sam Darnold, who, by the way, is the guy I wanted at number one for the Brownies in 2018. I, I've tried to keep an open mind on Baker Mayfield. I've been way more happy with him than I've been unhappy over a period of time. And I realize yeah. it's it's fashionable to poop on Sam Darnold, but the Jets ruined him. I don't think it's really fair to say what kind of a quarterback he is, just like Dwayne Haskins in Washington. But a lot of times, that's the bugaboo. Haskins was a one-year starter. Trubisky was a one-year starter in college. And that can be kind of risky. You throw a one-year starter in with a bad team, which by definition is who's taking you in that spot, unless it's a good team that traded up. But you're probably going to a bad team. And Haskins, yeah, Haskins was, you know, ruined by the Redskins last year. Uh, and we never really had a chance this year. I agree with you about two out of Miami because as somebody who is, like I said, they're my they're my one A team. I was loving that yeah. for the Dolphins when they got two. They didn't even have to tank to get them, Joe. The thought no, was they'd they have didn't. to tank. They won five games. They, they got them anyway. Games and they still got them. Yeah. Well, part of that was the hip injury and questions about that, and that was right. That exactly. Was, that was the thought I had in the back of my mind. Is like, oh, I hope this isn't Bo Jackson part two, but he's shown that oh, it hasn't. I know, right? Yeah, right. That would have been awful. Yeah, That's yeah. That that would have been because of the kind of career you knew that he'd had. The, the, the funny thing is when you look at the NFC, there we'll, we'll take the East on its own because that's a mess all of its own. Yeah, but I mean, sure. aside from that, I mean, maybe the East is a little, or I'm sorry, the, the NFC as a whole is a little less chalky than the AFC, but I see it still as kind of the same thing. In the North, Green Bay at the top, that didn't surprise me, probably didn't surprise a lot of people. They've looked better than last year because Aaron Rodgers in year two of the system up there, uh, things have gone better. Maybe Minnesota's been a little worse than people expected. I thought Detroit was going to flame out like they did and, and get their coach fired. I thought the Patricia era was coming to an end. So much like Houston, I saw the decline coming there. You know, the Bears are, you know, the, the, the Bears are what Dennis Green thought they were, a team that uh, has an excellent defense and, uh, needs a quarterback and some kind of direction on offense, and it may cost Matt Nagy his job. 
Again, Minnesota got off to a worse start than anybody thought, but they've come back pretty strong since then. In the South, New Orleans and Tampa Bay at the top, most people probably saw that. I think right. I thought Atlanta and Carolina would be a little further along. Carolina, not because of the talent on the roster, but because Matt Rule is the kind of guy who's going to get the most out of what he's got. And arguably, you could say them being 4-9 and nine is him getting the most out of what they've got. So maybe it's happened anyways. You know, the West... We knew the West would be a great division. San Francisco, nobody could foresee the injuries. I think that's the primary reason they're at the bottom. Maybe a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover with Jimmy G, but more injuries than anything else. Arizona, yeah, yeah. Arizona taking steps forward. Seattle, I mean, it's 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 funny how full circle they've come since the Legion of Boom days of where the right, secondary yeah. the secondary is now a liability and Russell Wilson is carrying them. It's just kind of funny how it's gone full <laughs> circle. But, you know, uh, Seattle is once again a really excellent team. And uh, the Rams looking like the class of the division. And this is one of these things where I go back to the old Seinfeld line uh, with, with Jerry and Elaine. Sex to save the friendship? You know, I, I, <laughs> I look at it like... Fire Wade Phillips to improve the defense? I mean, I never saw that coming, and here we go. Just like sex to save the friendship, somehow it's working out. And, you know, so, again, I don't, in those three divisions, I mean, there's things here and there that might be a little different than we expected, but I don't see a lot that's unexpected, do you? No, not really. I knew Seattle was coming back, and they were coming on, and they won a playoff game last year, really, you know, albeit playing against Josh McCallum, but, um, you know, and they got off to a real good start this year and struggled. I mean, Russell Wilson, uh, I think he had 16 touchdowns in like the first three or four, first four games, something. He set a record. He, he edged out Patrick Mahomes like his first four games of the season, uh, last year or the year before. But, um, I, you know, Seattle, their defense, historically bad. Uh, secondary, like, like he, that's why we watched the game where the Eagles scored six points against them in the first half. This is a team that really was on pace to get up 370 yards of game passing at the time. They've settled down a little bit. And look, going back to it, I still think he's, you know, the MVP candidate at one point. I don't think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always think they have a chance. And of course, you know, everyone criticizes the Eagles for not taking DK Metcalf or taking a, you know, JGR take a white side. But a lot of teams passed on, uh, you know, Metcalf. He was injured a lot in school, uh, albeit he put up numbers when he played. He's just a beast. I mean, he is just taking the NFL by storm, along with Justin Jefferson. This year, another guy the Eagles passed on. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. So I do like Seattle. I like Canada running back for the Rams. It went nuts last week. Uh, and they're 9 4. They seem to kind of have that rebound after a letdown year after that Super Bowl performance against the Patriots a couple years ago. You're right about the Wade Phillips thing to improve the defense. Really? Like, they were a pretty good defense. Um, but the Saints, um, Saints are amazing in my opinion. I never lost to the Eagles. Uh, I thought that might happen because it was a third straight road game and the facing the Chiefs this playing with essentially a third string quarterback to play pretty well. You know, it's weird. Jameis Winston goes there to be the backup and then he gets passed over. But I don't blame him. I mean, he's, he's a, to me, it's just a liability because he doesn't protect the football. But, you know, in the game for two, three, he didn't play last year. They were five and oh. Defense, I don't know, I've been to, to 
mean anything. But it's going to be interesting because no no team really stands out to me in the NFC. You know, uh, it was tough to take down Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, you could, you know, match up. I said, well, who's quarterback and who? And I'll probably go with that team. But if you look at the Saints, they have Drew Brees, to be Southie, Jared Goff's not going to sneeze at Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers. And then, of course, you have the NFC East. But, uh, you know, one of those teams will probably emerge. And, um, you know, and the NFC East, believe it or not, is going to host a playoff game, if you can believe that, at some point. <laughs> so one of those teams is going to host a playoff game. Cannot believe it. And it could be the Eagles. Who knows? You know, they could they could conceivably go on a run here. But, uh, I, again, I try to caution everyone to not put hosts in the Hall of Fame yet. It was one game, and it was against the top team in the league. But, uh they still have some work to do if they're going to. They got to get past the card in Arizona this week, and I, you know, I like the way the Cardinals turned their game around with Kyler Murray. I was never sure about him, you know, to this size. But man, I've never seen a him swinging for his height. Um, so I like what they've done out there in Arizona. But um, and then, of course, the Eagles have the Cowboys in the Washington. Who, believe it or not, they've resurrected their season. But uh, you know. Uh, if anyone does anything in the East, I'd be most surprised if they actually you know, do something in the postseason. But they will be hosting the playoff game. And yeah. Again, historically bad, historically bad numbers for the That's the way the the, uh, the rules are set up. You know, unless they change them, you know, and they might because of this. But uh, and there you go. Then you might have a six win, six or seven win team make the postseason yeah. and host a playoff game. Yeah, it should be uh, the first time in NFL history that a team is a 10-point dog at home in the first round and still gets housed. <laughs> I mean, right. that's that's what we're that's setting up true. for. You're right. I'll use that on the air. Thank you. Thank man. you. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, from from, from doing our stuff for, for our annual FantasyDraftHelp.com draft guide every year and going through, one of the things I thought was most egregious, and I was doing a... Uh, Facebook Live segment with fellow FDH Lounge dignitary Chris Galloway the night of the thing. I was I was pretty proud of our bladder control. We went like four and a half hours straight without having to cut it off. Ne- never thought we'd make it that far. Thank you, Joe. I never thought we'd make it that far, but uh, you know when we were in there, the one thing where I just about started screaming was when the Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson because it was oh just Oh, my like, goodness. Me and, you, you, me and our buddy Steve Counts were texting each other. I almost fell off the couch. Yeah. I'm like, Jaden Reeder? Yeah. Well, this was a no-brainer. Second of all, Jaden Reeder, on a lot of boards, like in the top five or six, might have been like eight. You know, blinders on and just went with speed, even though Jefferson beat him in the 40 at the Combine because Rager was a little late, oh, by the way. You know, it was the biggest, biggest career, you know, when he comes in 10 pounds on the big SEC school, had four touchdowns against Alabama in the semifinal. He's a big, big game player, and he was really upset that he lasted that long, and the team passed up on him, and Get his fuel or a chip on his shoulder, kind of like you know, Tom Brady still done. Yeah, a phenomenal year, and you know, we're lamenting the fact you know DK Metcalf or Justin Jefferson or both. And that's why, you know, in my opinion, the GM they have to start cleaning the house and start the top down the you know, and let's talk about that because I read the excellent column that you had on your station's website about it. A really, really thank excellent you. column. I, I thought it was uh, outstanding. Well, thank you, Rick. Howie Roseman, as the GM, again, you look at what happened there with the cap situation, the way that you guys had it uh, there. With the, You had a couple different times in the 2010s of when uh, the, the organization tried to put together a dream team as far as spending goes. And I did think yeah. that the, the cleanup job that he did leading into 2017, I thought, was, was outstanding. I, I felt like Tremendous. he was a big part of the reason you guys won the Super Bowl, but I, I mean... Here's another thing. If you, Everything he did worked. Everything he did worked. If you want to steal this one, go ahead. You know who he is as a general manager to me? And, and I say this as a, as a guy that I saw up front uh, for many years in Cleveland. Different sport, different context. He's the J.R. Smith of general managers. He, yeah. will, he will have stretches where you want to send him to the Hall of Fame. And he will have stretches <laughs> like right now. Where, yeah, I mean, your your last couple drafts really have kind of sucked. I mean, no question about it. 
And that's an un, that's an understatement, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's an analogy. I'll, I definitely will use that. Thank <laughs> you, thank you. I mean, it's and it's the same guy. I I don't I don't get it. Like he 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 couldn't do anything wrong leading up to 2017, and it's a thing where in this political year that we've had. This is a statement that I've heard in the, in the political realm, but it applies in sports. You know, and they say in politics, personnel is policy. Well, you know, personnel equals results, if you want to call it that, to a large extent, because of the talent on the roster. We talked about it before with the Browns. The Browns have a much more talented roster than they did a couple of years ago. That's part of why they are where they are right now. The, the Eagles had a super talented roster in 2017. And part of my draft prep every year in doing our guide is going through and looking at team needs. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when you guys didn't have that many team needs. I mean, that, it, it seems like a yeah. long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Life comes at you yeah. fast. And the Eagles, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you guys just, you have holes everywhere, and it's hard to believe it's the same regime. I, there's no explanation for it. There, there really is. The way this team, I mean, a snapshot in front of they are so bad to watch. Uh, I... I Game one against Washington this year, they were up seventeen nothing, and they lost by ten. And it was second worst game I've ever seen uh, in the NFL. One of the first ones was five years ago when Chip Kelly and the Eagles played the Cowboys and Demarco Murray had thirteen carries for two yards, he lost one yard. It was awful, awful, awful. That was the second worst game I've seen. They've all been like that this year, yeah. just terrible. And you know, the, the first good football game that we saw at least was somewhat entertaining was last week when Jalen Hurts was in. And I don't know what happened to Carson Wentz, but since that 11-2 run he had in 2017, he's 17-21-1. That tied the Bengals, and that was on a late touchdown run by him to tie the game. Doug Peterson, it seems like he learned to put it on Sunday, but where was this when Carson Wentz, you know, simplifies things, run the ball a little bit more, set up screen plays, set up plays. Now, like, like um, Thomas Bay came in here and just abused us. You know, we, we abused the Eagles in week two with his misdirections and all his shiny metal toys and you know, throwbacks to Tyler Thickpen and Jared Goff rolling to the right, dragging the tight end and just misdirections. And Eagles are so unimaginable But they look like they knew what they were doing last week with a different quarterback and play calling that kind of suited his, um, his skill set. But it really hasn't been... It was a little blurred because we have made the playoffs in the last two years, but it really hasn't been good football since the 2017 season. I forget how bad it was in 2000. There were five and six both, both years. The only team in history was five and six and make the playoffs. And I think we forget about how bad it was or how painful it was. We were trying to, I was on a post last week trying to think about the last entertaining football game. One was last year in Miami, and they lost, but it was a sh- entertaining game. Man, it's been brutal football, and it really starts with Howie Roseman. Since 2016, not not one Pro Bowl player has he drafted, except for Carson Wentz, who happens to be the worst quarterback in the league this year. But all pros, I think, since 2012, they've drafted um, four and maybe seven Pro Bowlers. Like, it, it, it is direct. In 2017... It was his um, uh, free agent signing. You know, Nick Foles was a great move, bringing him back. And uh, Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt trading for J.A.H.I. in the middle of the season. And Alshon Jeffrey signing him, who was tremendous. An undrafted free agent running back in Corey Colnett had a tremendous year. Everything he did, everyone had a career year. It was like the 93 Phillies, you know. They were, no, right. they were like, are you kidding me? And then they make this run almost win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, you know, with that team and everything going well and the quarterback going down, this would be it was even better with Nick Foles. And for some reason, I think Doug Peterson can still coach. I think Carson will probably still play, although he's totally lost. He needs his confidence back. I'm not sure if those two can play together because the marriage they've had has not been good since Frank Reich left. He was the guy who really helped with the game plan. Carson was listening to him because from the street in the locker room is he's a little stubborn and he all complicates things and he tries to do things his way, whereas Nick Foles would just take what the defense gave him and throw where the open receiver was and where the play was designed to go. Also has the unenviable task of 
dealing with a hard offensive line. Uh, they, they've had 12 different offensive line combinations in 13 games. They don't run the ball that much. Miles Sanders has missed time. And they don't really have any weapons on the outside. Remember last year, they had practice squad guys. that helped, they, they did a good job winning the playoffs, but so much of this is making bad decisions, no confidence at all. And uh, we have a full-blown controversy in Philly, but again, I maintain, let's relax a little bit, see what Jalen Hurts can actually do. Um, but again, I think Doug Peterson wants another chance. Carson Wentz deserves another chance, but we don't deserve it together. So I might, have, and I would keep the quarterback over the coach. So I'm with Jeffrey Lurie and most but 99% of the pundits and fans and people, people in the know think that because of their clo- his close relationship with Adam Rosman, he's not going to fire him. I think it's become such a national embarrassment. He has no other option than to make a change. Because what's going to change next year if the same guy drafting is in place and the same guy coaching the same quarterback? So I, would, I personally think he's going to make a move. At the GM position, he's going to surprise a lot of people. Bring the GM and let him decide on the coach. We'll make both of them out and then bring a GM, let him decide who the coach is. I don't think Doug Peterson's coming back with Carson Wentz still here. And they can't get rid of him because of his cap hit is $60 million. If they cut him, it's $40 million the following year. It's just his numbers are ridiculous. And he's obviously, there's no value he's going to bring now either unless you give up picks to get rid of him. But, um, and again, we don't know what you have in Jalen. They're in a really tough spot because they don't know what they have. It's not like they say, all right, we can deal with Carson Wentz and we'll take the hit and we'll deal with it because we have this guy who's going to be the next guy. Just play one game. Who knows? And he you know, spectacular, but I thought he was very good considering this environment. And, you know, just it's sort of small sample size. The good thing about it is, we're gonna, and I, I would think this is going to be the case, they're going to probably start on the next three games, even though Doug Peterson never admits that after the game. He waits a couple days. But, uh, I, you know, you're going to at least see you get a better sample for what Jalen Hurts can do, so maybe he can make a better informed decision. But, again, next year, I think, if Wentz is back, I think he's still the number one guy going into the season until we see more football like this. But I think it's there. I've seen him play well. I just think his climate is so bad. The environment is so bad um, that he just needs to change, not to move him, but change the environment, you know, Bring new ingredients and bring new pieces and bring fresh eyes and, you know, fresh um, innovation and, you know, work with the guy to his skill set. You can't just throw out a game plan to everybody. I mean, maybe it works for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, Carson Wentz might need things tailored to his skills a little bit. And he also needs to kind of maybe open up his mind a little bit because he's very smart, maybe too smart for his own. I think he thinks he knows everything when the coaches have been around for years and uh, are looking at things differently you know he misses a lot of opportunities he makes bad mental decisions you know still got a cannon he can still run a little bit i know he's been banged up but he probably would have made it through another season of 16 games um you know maybe which is unusual because the knock on him is well you know he's never around you know he's been strong one completion in six playoff games that's been here for three yards. So, I mean, that should tell you something. I know the Eagles are frustrated, but I also know Doug Peterson is, is if you watch his face when he gets asked certain questions about Jalen Hurts and he's leading up to last week, you can tell he wants to say the truth, to tell you the truth, but he can't. I think he's uh, kind of been... He's hamstrung a little bit by the power structure, and he doesn't have as much probably he should or like. You know, I don't think he wanted them to draft Jalen Hurts, although he said all the right things. I believe the report came out that he he was finished on draft night because he didn't want to bring in another distraction across the lines. He's already dealing with the ghost of Nick Foles, and you know it, it can play with your head a little bit. Although I think if you're a starting quarterback in the National Football League, you know you should be above that, but. You know, so I, I find it hard to believe that, but, you know, I, I, I have no other explanation for why Carson Wentz, not only but his that I, I just, no one can really figure it out. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Well, in, in terms of how Doug Peterson fits into Philadelphia, at the risk of turning this show into a drinking game where I keep referencing the Cleveland Cavaliers from another sport. <laughs> 
I have another analogy, and that is I go back to my beloved Cavs. One of my, one of my favorite eras of any of my teams is the late 80s, early 90s Cavs. Love those teams. And Lenny Wilkins, Hall of Fame coach, deservedly yeah. so. But at the end, I understood why they went to Fratello, because it was a nice team. It was a team with a bunch of nice guys. And I'm saying that they I'm not saying they weren't competitors, but a real nice team and a real nice coach. The chemistry at that point in time was just kind of holding them back. And uh-huh. the Eagles, maybe they need another different uh, voice, you know, in, in the locker room there, although it begs the question of who's going to want to come in and, you know, be told, hey, make Carson Wentz a winner. I don't think that's going to get Eric Bieniemy to come right. stamping your door. I mean, you have to think about it that way. I mean, how, how marketable, how, how favorable is that spot? If the same power structure in place, a coach is going to want to come in and have some say about you know, the groceries like Bill Clark talked about. You know, he'd like to pick some of the groceries. Right. Um, some say in like who the his quarterback should be. You know, I think he has, you know, I think Coming somewhat metal from, you know, insisting they take our bigger white side over DJ Metcalf and, and okaying the Jalen Hurts, even though know, Doug Peterson it was like, not in a million years. And, you know, second round pick with all the help they needed. Now, you know, it may turn out to be, it may turn out to be something that really led to Carson Wentz's demise or Carson Wentz was going to have this year anyway and maybe Jalen Hurts is a savior. Who knows? But I just know that in, in five years, one pro bowler, and he couldn't make it through the season because it was that bad. I mean, that's right. just something. You should not survive five years of bad draft picking. You know, that's why people want them to tank, and I, I hate losing against them. I understand it, but I'm thinking, unless it's Trevor Lawrence and you know, top pick, I'm like, what are they going to do with it? You think they're going to make a prudent decision? They don't make prudent decisions right. with your draft pick. So, I'm not getting my hopes up to have like the fourth pick over the ninth pick. To me, it's right. like, Whatever, I'd almost rather see play off football, good football for a while. Well, yeah, I understand that. And when you look at it here, and this is something I'd reference to you off here, the notion of when you're talking about tanking, it's too late to tank with a capital T for this year because you're not going to get past the Jets or the Jaguars. But as far as it goes for next year, the easy way to do that is if you want to cut Carson Wentz because that will so decimate your salary cap, having everything accelerate to next year, you won't be able to field much of a team, unless Brian Flores is your coach, because we saw how he squeezed five wins out of the Dolphins last year, but I digress. <laughs> Generally speaking, you can't really win that many games with the kind of roster that you would have if you had to let Carson Wentz go, because paradoxically, the way that it works salary-wise in the NFL is you won't be able to have nearly as many live bodies there, at least good live bodies, NFL-caliber live bodies, to say nothing of star players. You won't be able to afford them at all. So you could have a real ugly year and just do a big flush and come back in 2022. What percentage would you say that, whether it be 1%, 5%, whatever, whatever chance of that happening do you see looking at that now, where they just go that way? Like what percent, what percent chance do you think? Cut Carson Wentz and make next year the, the mother of all tank years. I think it's um, they're going to cut Carson Wentz. Um, a lot of draft capital in getting him. He still think they have a very talented player, which I think they do as well. They need to be an environment for a $60 million top pick. They're already $65 over. over when he's next year. You hit it, Rick. They're not going to be able to sign anybody. So I'm
guys I just mentioned. Even Peyton Manning went a certain in the city. capital that you paid to get Carson Wentz. I happen to remember that because it was my team uh, yeah. that arranged that. Uh, if I remember exactly the draft capital that we ended up getting, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, Sashi Brown put that draft capital in a jar, farted on it, and lit it on fire. So that's uh, it, didn't accru- <laughs> it didn't accrue to our benefit either, Joe, if it means anything to you. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, not like, it's not like it got us anywhere. Yeah, the, 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 the trade that, uh, you know, at least in the year 2020 has helped no teams. It, it helped you guys for a couple of years, if not now. But in uh, right. looking at it going into the season, writ large, uh, my pick was uh, New Orleans over Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I think right okay. now I, like I would I would flip the outcome uh, looking at it now. I would say Kansas City over New Orleans if we're going to get a Hank Stram ball, which uh, we've come close to getting in the last couple of years, but maybe this is the year that it happens. Uh, what do you see as being the most likely outcome at the moment for the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I mean, anything can happen, and I think the Chiefs can be vulnerable times, but the fact is, hard to go against that. That was my thought going into the year. I know it's boring to take the chalk, but right, I, didn't, I didn't, yeah, but I didn't, you know, and, and, and sometimes it can be lazy. Sometimes I go with chalk and it's lazy. Sometimes I stick my neck out and it's ugly. I, I think I picked Houston, <laughs> you know, I think whatever year Houston had a lot of injuries in the mid-2010s, I think, I think they won like two games. That was the year I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. So sometimes I go out on a limb. <laughs> You know, I picked I mean, them three years ago, and they tanked. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I picked, uh, you talk about going on a limb, I picked the Winnipeg Jets to uh, win the Stanley Cup uh, going into the season this past year. So, yeah. I mean, and that, that was the team on the Cubs. I'm okay with that. They were actually pretty good a couple years 
I thought they'd keep moving in that direction, but I went I out, too. and uh, I remember Russ Cohen chastised me on our preseason preview, and was like, oh, <laughs> I think their moment has come and gone, Rick, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go out on a limb. So, see, going out on a limb doesn't always pay off. The Chiefs, <laughs> the Chiefs are safe, they're blue chip, they're a safe investment in today's economy, and uh, yes, I would yes. agree with you uh, on that, but... Uh, what what is always a safe investment in today's economy as well is counting on getting a quality segment out of good friend and longtime FDH Lounge dignitary Joe Stazak, of course, of the great show on ninety seven five the Fanatic in Philadelphia, the Callus Remarks podcast with uh, good friend Steve Callus as co host, always entertaining to have you two guys in the arena there together. Uh, Joe, I can't thank you enough for making time for us today. Uh, a fascinating landscape in the NFL, and that much more fascinating to get to break it down with you, my friend. Uh, Rick, it was always a pleasure talking to my friend. I'll have you on my show soon, and we will uh, we'll go over a lot of things. And then uh, you made my night. I appreciate it, pal. It's always fun. Thanks, buddy. Wherever the venue, it's always a pleasure. And uh, I, I remember, by the by the way, speaking of your show, I, I do remember calling my shot. Uh, the night that uh, Steve Amiochik fought for the World Heavyweight Championship in Brazil in 2016, I said, "You remember that?" Yes, oh my gosh. I said, "Steve, <laughs> I said it on your show. I said, Steve A's bringing it home tonight, and that's going to be a good omen for the Cavs." And there, there you go, 52 years of history. <laughs> unfolding you heard it here first <laughs> but joe <laughs> Good call, buddy. <laughs> thanks pal thank you it's it's always a pleasure with you and uh we appreciate it and thank you everybody for tuning in for fdh launch mini episode 1315